Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leading to Success podcast. I am your host, Eleanor Wolf, and I am one of the 2021 to 2023 trainees of the Godolphin Flying Start program. Throughout the next few episodes, we will give you insight into the Flying Start, share with you our experiences, and what we have gained from the program thus far. Going forward, we will also have on industry guests and alumni to share their experiences with the program and how they have benefited from it. So listen in, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Godolphin Flying Start on Twitter, at Flying Start News, or to any of our trainees. Today, I am joined by Marcus Bird, a fellow trainee and also team leader for the first part of the USA phase. Marcus, how are you, and what's been going on? Yeah, very well, thank you, Eleanor. Um, it's been a busy couple of weeks for us, I'd say, uh, with our racing officials accreditation program. Uh, as well as continuing our University of Kentucky nutrition course. It's been very busy, but we're all very excited to get stuck into our rotations over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. It's definitely been busy, you know, also attending the Fazic Tipton winter mix sale, you know, from being in America myself for the majority of my life, how was it experiencing another sale here in the States? Yeah, I mean, the sales process is is sort of a bread and butter across across the world really but it's more sort of the different conformational aspects you're looking for between the dirt horses over here and and the turf horses you'd have in in Europe. So here on this part of the USA phase we've just started our rotations. Uh, Marcus where have you started this week and what's going on in the future for you? Yeah so obviously our rotations cover various aspects of the industry. Uh, I myself have been in the John Abel offices this week um, so today we did marketing. The rest of the week we're going with the race management side of it, as well as stallions and oh. finance. Uh, next week I'm with Johnny Burke, who is the Godolphin rehab and pre-trainer at Keeneland. So I'm looking forward to that. And what have you had yourself? Yeah, so I just started working with the Stallions over at Johnabel as well. It's been absolutely fantastic seeing Maxfield and Essential Quality step into their new profession. Uh, they've been doing really well, and I know it's a very exciting time for Godolphin. Um, I'm most looking forward to, though, the foaling rotations. I'm looking forward to the late hours and all of the foals. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to, and also working with Johnny Burke and hopefully some other trainers down the road as well. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really good to get really hands-on with all the horses and the four weeks we do on, on the studs just looking after mares, that should be really good and really informative um, and help our horsemanship skills. Outside of rotations, I know that throughout our time here in the States, we will continue to see more and more stallion farms and see more stallions and get to meet more people on that side of things. And that is who we have on today. Um, Ned Toffee has been the general farm manager at Spendthrift Farm since 2004 when B. Wayne Hughes originally purchased the farm. And I'm looking forward to sharing our conversation with you all. Yeah, and I spoke to Dan Blacker, uh, who's been a trainer in California, but he's originally from England. So it was interesting getting his take about his decision to move out to California to train and about the future of the American racing industry. Today we are joined by Spinthrift Farms General Manager Ned Toffee. Ned, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Spinthrift Farm is one of the most recognizable stallion farm names in the United States, standing the likes of Into Mischief, His Son Authentic, and many other notable stallion names in the game. 
Not only that, but you also have a racing stable. And for those that don't know, you recently had an impressive win with Forbidden Kingdom and the San Vicente Stakes, putting him on the Kentucky Derby Trail. With the Derby coming up in the first Saturday of May, could you talk to us about the importance of the Kentucky Derby and how it influences breeding and racing here in the States? Yeah, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby is obviously, it's the race that I think everybody wants to win. And, you know, certainly when you run into people outside the industry, they really only have one question, and, and that's, have you ever won the Kentucky Derby? So, you know, it really is the race that I think most people in America would tell you they want to win above the Breeders' Cup Classic. In, in terms of the stallion gain, uh, its effect there is, is extremely profound. Um, you know, it's, it's not a perfect indicator, no race is, but, uh, of, of potential stallion success, but it's certainly an indicator of marketability. Um, you know, there's so much, uh, there's so much press, there's so much name recognition that's generated by the Kentucky Derby and everything associated with that brand that you just have so much built-in name recognition and so much popularity. You know, it's sort of ironic if you if you compare the popularity of that race, say, compared to the Freakness and what it does for stallion values, there's, there's really a dramatic difference. I'm not sure that there really ought to be, um, but the Derby is the race with the history and and with with so much notoriety that it really trumps everything else. For sure. It's such a great opportunity from several levels of the game as well to be able to race. Um, and in addition to dirt racing, uh, turf racing has become more and more popular in the States over the past several years. How do you see this affecting your game plan as a breeder and owner, if at all? You know, so right now, I... I don't think it affects what we're doing a great deal, but it is certainly something that we are going to have to continue to keep a close eye on because certainly, um, you know, there, there's, there has been an, an increase in turf racing and the, and the money associated with turf racing. Uh, Naira in particular has done a tremendous job with that. Um, and, you know, I think that there will be a point where eventually that will start to affect things in this country. I, I don't believe that we're there yet, um, you know, but I think that I think that we may get there. But I, you know, people are creatures of habit. I think people in the horse business are, are no different. And I think that it's going to take a while for people to get used to the idea of turf racing. You know, again, going back to the Derby, that drives people's thinking so much um, that if you're breeding or buying turf horses, you are almost immediately uh, excluding yourself from the race that, as, as we've just discussed, is the most popular thing that we've got going in this country. So, you know, that's really the Derby ties into that, the, the turf question and and is uh, you know a, a major obstacle to turf racing getting more popular so you know o- over time i think that this if this trend continues i think certainly um y- y- you will see it begin to spill over into into the breeding and buying game here 
Um, but I think it's, I think it is going to take some more time. With the breeding season upon us, what are you most excited about? As a farm manager, uh, you know, and as far as breeding season goes, you know, I think, you know, our, our main business is stallions. And so our, our, our big concern, our big worry um, is, is that the stallions do everything the way they're supposed to do it. They continue to breed, breed well. We get all of uh, our clients' mares bred. Um, all of that happens safely uh, for the horses and for the health. Um, those are those are really important things and things that we we spend a lot of time worrying about and a lot of time working on making sure they they do get done properly. And and there's all those other things that go on in breeding season as well, foaling and 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 uh, everything else. And so there's 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 so much going on. There's so much to look forward to. And I think that's one of the great great things about about this industry but you know for for all of us with with stallions i think that's the immediate concern is let's let's get the mares bred let's have happy customers and healthy horses and healthy health yeah i mean that's a great it's a great plan um on a separate note spendthrift has a great social media presence across the board and is also a part of the horse country when will the b wayne hughes tourism center be open to the public and how important is tourism for your business and the industry as a whole yeah i i, I think that, that tourism I, I think of it as sort of the long play um you know occasionally very occasionally we hear stories of people that you know that that came for a tour uh, maybe even got involved with my racehorse and then maybe even stepped up from there in terms of um their involvement in the industry, whether it's joining a, another a racing partnership or, or buying a mayor. So, you know, we do hear about those stories, but, you know, by and large, I think the, the tourism thing is is really about the long play, about educating people about this this industry and this game and that, and that even though, you know, we do have some black eyes here lately, um, you know, there's so many good things about this game and this industry. And if, if people can come to the farm and see what we do and how we do it and, and how these horses are cared for, um, you know, I think that's a great thing for our game. And, and you know, the more education that we get about about our industry among the public, you know, we're we it, it, here in America. I mean, racing, unfortunately, has, is really, you know, no longer part of the mainstream. Um, you know, it's it's barely receives coverage in the uh, you know on, on ESPN Sports Center. Uh, you know, local sports pages. Uh, most of them don't carry um, anything other than other than the the negative news um, about horse racing. So, you know, I think I, I look at it as a grassroots effort to educate people about our game. And and so when we get people that are are new to all of this. Um, that's what I love hearing about, and and if we can we can show them what what we do and, and what we're about in this game, I think that's a I think that's a great thing for our industry. And so yeah, it is in the, in that sense, it's it's very very important to us. Yeah, Horse Country's been a great advocate for tourism within the industry, and very much looking forward to your tourist center opening up. Um, yeah, and and I think the date on that, we're you know I think we're. You know, it's a construction project right now, and construction these days is is um, is challenging uh, with, with with COVID and so on. So there's still 
there's still some su- supply line for sure. issues and so on. But, you know, we, we're hoping that uh, by, by um, mid-summer, uh, that we are we are open and, and up and running and one of the things I'm really excited about too along with the the visitor center is the unveiling of a uh, of a uh, slightly larger than life-size statue of Malibu moon that'll that will uh, greet visitors as they as they pull up to our visitor center and, and that should be ready well before uh, the visitor center is ready to open so um you know we're we're really looking forward to that and 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 it's a great opportunity to sort of tell the the story of there's there's so much history at spendthrift uh tell tell the older history and and the more recent history and and again educate fans a little bit absolutely it's fantastic project and very much looking forward to the unveiling when it does happen Thank you so much, Ned, for coming on and talking with us today. Best of luck in the breeding season and on the trail to the Kentucky Derby. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you for having me. So I'm joined now by Dan Blacker, uh, who's a trainer in Santa Anita and also a good and Flying Start graduate. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me on. So, Dan, as a Flying Start graduate yourself what phase did you find the most interesting and the most helpful and who did you do your externships with well i mean i think all of the destinations that we visited uh away from home was hugely beneficial for me in the long run uh i think for any student coming up it's important to experience as many different facets of the, of the business as possible i mean i think if i was to do it again like do you know have another run i'd work for more trainers in more different places as, as many as i could um but like i think to answer your question i mean i think you know all the spots that we that i that we visited were beneficial i enjoyed dubai probably the most um and then my placement with uh, richard mandela in california was for me, that was a game changer in my life. I, I really fell in love with California and with the industry here and the, the racetrack way of life. And I uh, learned a lot from from Richard. He was a he's an amazing horseman and uh, someone who I look up to as a trainer, one of my mentors. And uh, yeah, that was a really a, a major turning point in my life. That that experience and. Speaking of training in in California, what appealed to you about training in America rather than back in your native Europe? You know what? It's something about America in general. I mean, I get on to California specifically, but like uh, America in general, I just feel like personally there's a lot more opportunity here for young people coming up in any business, not just horse racing and not just training, but I think really there's so much more opportunity and i feel personally i feel like americans are way more open to giving young people a shot in terms of business in terms of and in terms of horse racing and um i just felt like i have way more opportunity uh coming in here starting out um and it's just a spot uh, it's just a, a place where you know if you don't have a huge amount of financial backing behind you, you could still do well, you know, and you could still have a, a chance to make it. You know, if you show that you are passionate, 
and you are skilled at what you do, then people are going to give you a shot here. And it doesn't matter where you're from, how you talk, you know, what, what how much money you got behind you. If you if you're good at what you do and you show passion, then people are going to give you a shot. And personally, I feel like there's more opportunity here to to receive that and to than than back home in in Europe. Yeah. And obviously it's a completely different training regime to back in Europe. Um, did it take any adapting to training on a racetrack? And, oh, yeah. And would you yeah. train dirt horses and turf horses significantly differently? Uh, I wouldn't say significantly differently. I mean, there's, but there's, there's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, there's definitely a different style of training here to compared to back home. But I think there's, a different style of training wherever you are in the world. There's the, I think we train differently in California to compared to New York and, and, or, or in Australia or England, everywhere has their own uh, system that has been tweaked to over the years to, to, to figure out what works best and how it gets the best results. And I think we just train a little differently in California and um, we probably, we do less speed, less speed, in less more frequent work. So the horses will work roughly once a week, as opposed to twice a week back home. Yeah. Uh, or do a time workout or a, a breeze, and then they'll do probably less, uh, more kind of uh, cantering in between, and less, you know, less uh, more infrequent works. Um, but like I think, um, with regards to the dirt horses and the turf horses, I mean it's pretty much down to down to pedigree um and down to what they what surface they excel on um it, which is basically i i believe horses are, are born with an affinity for a, a surface as you know uh, for dirt or turf um some the rare ones do well on both but in terms of training I mean, you might, I think typically we probably put a little more speed into our works for a, for a dirt horse. They have to be fitter. Um, it's more of a grinding type race as opposed to sprint finish. Uh, but overall in California, everything, all the races are run very fast. They come out, the, you jump out the gate and you're going. Yeah. So um, naturally horses pick up that, that rapid pace on their own. It's not something you really train into them, but it's kind of that that high energy training way of life that is that has evolved on the racetrack that, that that naturally puts a lot of speed into these horses and, and that's why why you see it in the races. And speaking of races and California in general, uh, in the next year or so, there's going to be many rule changes with Heiser coming in. Um, what do you think that means for the future of California racing and USA racing in general? And um, what does it mean for your business? California has been at the forefront of change in terms of medication and safety reform. Um, over the last decade, I really feel that huge advances have been made in, in safety and, and medication reform in California. Really, they've been the, the flag bearer for that change over the last few years, you know, like Santa Anita and Del Mar are now the two, statistically, the two safest major racetracks in the country. And that's just because of the changes that the, the management in the Stronach Group made and the receptiveness of the trainers to, to 
understand what the what is what the the, the program is looking for and 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 following suits and so i think that these new rule to you know the advancements of, of heiser uh, i think is going to be beneficial for the industry nationwide i think it, to have a uniform set of rules and regulations will will help horsemen i don't think it's going to make a huge difference for california like so to speak because we are pretty advanced in terms of the rules and, and regulations for medication etc um and it's not going to make a huge difference for my business moving forward i doubt but i think it will it's only going to help advance the visit the the whole rate the the industry in a way that i believe is is the is the really the future and the the, the way forward for our sport amazing um well thank you very much for joining us on the podcast it's been great to have you and great to hear from you yeah no worries marcus hope i didn't bore you too much <laughs> no it was great thank you <laughs> all right So as we conclude on today's episode of Leading to Success, I want to send out a special thank you to Godolphin for sponsoring us on our two-year course. To our executive director, Clota Cavana, and to Martin Larkin, who has assisted and supported us in creating this podcast. To learn more, please visit the Godolphin Flying Start website or reach out to their Twitter at Flying Start News. Also, a special thank you to Ned Toffee and Dan Blacker. We will be back on March 18th featuring more trainees and alumni to discuss the Godolphin Flying Start program, careers in racing, and answer any questions about applying for the program in the future. I've been your host, Eleanor Wolf, leading you to success.